Welcome, friends, to the Girl Mom Podcast. This is Carrie Kampakis, your host. Today, I'm bringing back my friend Kim Anderson, a Nashville counselor who recently joined me to talk about marriage. Like me, Kim has parented for 20 years, and we both try to keep the big picture in mind when raising kids. We try to think about who we hope our kids will be at age 30 or 40, and then we work backward to think, okay, how can we cultivate that character now? One problem that I've begun hearing about in my work with teenage girls is the unrealistic financial expectations that many girls today are bringing into dating and marriage. In short, they're accustomed to luxury lifestyles that maybe their daddy or their granddaddy can afford, but their boyfriends and husbands can't. At age 25, they often expect to have a fully decorated home that looks like their parents' home or like the multi-million dollar sorority house that they got to enjoy in college. They may pregame with fancy champagnes that previous generations saved for a special occasion. They think it's normal to get a $300 bikini that some Instagram influencer told them to buy or to spend $200 on a designer t-shirt. When I got married, we did bachelorette parties close to home, usually at somebody's beach house to save money. But now, the expectation is often to treat the bride or the groom to a fancy vacation in the Bahamas or somewhere extravagant. Being in a wedding has never been so expensive. As parents, most of us were raised with a sense of reality. Yet our children are being shaped by this age of affluence and by what they see on social media. While it used to hold true that each generation earned more money than their parents, that all changed with the millennials. Today, the trend is headed the other way. Many kids today will actually earn less than their parents, yet they're used to a lifestyle they can't sustain on their own. They struggle with delayed gratification, gratitude, and contentment because the bar has been set so high. For those of us with daughters, it's important to consider the stage that we're setting for their future marriage. While money itself is not evil, the love of money is, and since money has always been one of the top five stressors in a marriage, it's worth considering the financial stress that comes from unrealistic expectations. As parents, it is our job to be our kids' reality check. We are the ones who keep them grounded and help them think about ways to thrive long-term. We want to give our kids everything we have, but when it comes to money, one of the most loving words we can tell them is no. One of the most loving things we can do is to make them work and understand how money is even earned. I look forward to this conversation with Kim, and I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back, Kim. I am also excited about this topic because it's a new one. It's not something I've covered before. Um, I've done a post and an article about it before, but have not really talked about it from the aspect of raising daughters and raising sons and what it might mean for marriage. Mm -hmm. So very curious to get your thoughts on this. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks so much for having me. I love being here. And I imagine you probably got really great feedback from your post because it's a really important topic. Yes. Yeah. You know, and for us, we've got older kids. Our oldest children are, you know, in college and my youngest is 13. So she's kind of starting in this phase. But I realized that, you know, we didn't really, I don't really feel like we thought much about money and teaching our kids about money when they were smaller. Maybe we should have. I mean, we try to give them realistic expectations. But but where I started to see the real shift was when my daughters entered middle school. And all of a sudden, they get really social and they're going to lunch with friends, and you know you're excited because you want them to have good friends, but they're asking for money, and you know I give them a twenty dollar bill, and but then the next day they they want to go to lunch with another friend, and they're asking for money, and I was giving them another twenty dollar bill, and then one day it hit me, I'm like I'm an idiot, <laughs> like, I'm just handing the money like I'm a money tree, and they have no concept of where this cash is coming from. Mm-hmm. So that was really the eye opening experience for me. Like I was like I could kind of see where that was headed if I just kept doing that as they grew up, and I'm like we need to teach them about money to teach them, you know, how it's earned, you know, why you've got to be wise with it and you want to be a good steward with it. 
And, you know, one of the best things that Harry, and this was his idea that he ever did, and they complained about it at first, but when um, Ella and Sophie were in middle school, they found out about this trip that was going to Europe in two years. And I think they were going to Italy, Greece, and Switzerland. It was a really awesome trip. And it was not cheap, but they both wanted to do it. And so they came home asking and begging for that. And Harry said, sure, you know, y'all can do it, but you've got to earn half the money each. And so at first, I mean, they were in seventh and ninth grade at the time. They're like, how are we supposed to do that? And he's like, you'll figure it out. You know, you're both cheerleaders. Why don't you put on some cheer camps or you can babysit Mm, some of the kids in the neighborhood? Mm -hmm. And so so I was like, yeah, I know the moms in the neighborhood. I bet they would be all over that cheer camp. So I put together a little flyer. You know, we put it Mm -hmm. out there. Their camps filled up quickly. You know, they, they had two years to raise the money. So he's like, you will totally be able to do this. But the interesting thing was that they went to school the next day and got teased by some people because I was like the Instagram did an Instagram post and it made their camps fill up. So I'm like, the moms responded, but some of their friends were like so confused, like, like, why are you doing this? Uh (laughs) Like, I feel sorry for you. Uh And they were just kind of clueless, you know, like, why would anybody make their child, you know, earn money for this trip? And, you know, they were like, well, my dad thinks it's a good idea. And they're like, oh man, I feel sorry for you. But the funny thing was over the next year and a half, as they actually earned this money and they had these camps and they babysat, like they became so proud of themselves and it really developed a work ethic in them and they raised that money and they just the sense of confidence and fulfillment that that brought and the sense of like you know after that when they said mom can I have money to go to lunch I'm like well you can spend your money so they get really cheap when it's yes, their money yes. you know and that was the biggest thing or mom can I have the sweatshirt and I'm like well you have about 20 sweatshirts already so mm-hmm. sure you can have it but why don't you use your money and all of a sudden they don't want it anymore yeah. and I, th- I think that's the missing that's the disconnect sometimes is with parents is that we don't let them, you know, we don't give them that opportunity to, mm-hmm. one, go earn the money themselves to understand how a dollar is made. And then, two, understand, like, okay, you had to work five hours to pay for this new shirt that you wanted. Mm-hmm. Was it really worth it? Yeah. We want them to feel that tension, yes. right? Because we yes. feel the tension as adults all right. day long, right, as we're making decisions. And so we want them to understand the difference between a need and a want, yeah. right? Do I need this or do I want this? And I still remember back um, when I was growing up in California, you know, there's olive trees everywhere. And... I think, I don't know, maybe I was nine or 10 and I had the opportunity to go to the neighborhood pool and pick up, pick olives all day because they were making a mess at at the pool. And so I worked for hours and hours picking olives off the tree, picking them up off the ground. And I scrounged, I don't know, maybe like $9 together. (laughs) I I got paid for my time back then. But I went and I bought the latest Michael Jackson record. And it was, I was so proud of that record because I bought it with my own money. And I still remember today how proud I was of that hard work. And so you know, we feel pride when we have to earn it ourselves. I know your yes. girls felt pride from putting that camp on yes. and being able to see the fruits of their labor. Yeah, and it really did just instill in them that work ethic and that drive. And they've started businesses since then. Yeah. Sophie had a sweatshirt business and Ella did a cake business and they love it. And yeah. I was like, this just works on so many different levels. This is so positive. Yes. But we sometimes deprive them of that opportunity because we're not making them work or mm-hmm. You know, we're not making them understand, you know, what, what like I said, what a dollar is valued. Mm-hmm. And I have found even for myself that, you know, our concept toward money has changed so much just with Venmo and credit cards. Like, yeah. 
I've taken cash into some stores and they don't even accept cash anymore. Mm -hmm. And I tell my daughters, I'm like, you know, if you are using cash or you're writing a check for $100, you feel that tension. Yes. Like, like, oh, like that's a lot. Do I really want that? Do I really want that? Or is this something I really need to do? But it feels like monopoly money the way that they use. Mm -hmm. I mean, they use Venmo and credit cards and they don't even see how it's passing through. They might not be keeping track of like, what do I have in my account? Oh, I can't write a check because I don't have enough money in my account to cover that check. Mm -hmm. And I think those are some of the checks and balances that we had growing up that this generation does not have mm-hmm. and um and I'll never forget like you know you know now that my girls have gotten older and they do I feel like they do have a much better concept of reality and how money works and not spending more than you have and all of that mm-hmm. but you know I remember one of them coming home from school one day I think they were in eighth or ninth grade and and they were realizing just just kind of the culture that that they're being shaped by and that's that what seems normal around them yeah. sometimes and and they were like, you know, this girl in my class was complaining about Christmas, that her mom is only getting her two things for Christmas. But she's but she's like, her mom is getting her Golden Goose tennis shoes and a Marc Jacobs purse. Mm. So the tennis shoes are $550. <laughs> right. And the purse is $350. Yeah. So that is a very nice Christmas. Very generous Christmas. Very generous Christmas. Yes. But I think that girl is representative of a lot of girls and probably boys today, too, that they, in her mind, she's just getting two things mm-hmm. because she doesn't understand the value of that one thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So that's what we're going to really dig into because, like I said, what I'm hearing about in my work is that a lot of marriages are falling apart early on mm-hmm. because these girls are bringing these unrealistic expectations into into marriage, into yeah. dating, and not even appreciating how hard the, the guy might be working to take them on a nice date or to give them a nice gift. Yeah, yeah, we're parenting against a really what we want to do is parent against a really strong mindset in our culture is like this idea that you know today. Everybody has money because they're mm-hmm. seeing it on social media. Yes. And they're seeing, you know, social media makes it look like everybody has money mm-hmm. and everybody thinks that they can be an influencer. Right. And so, you know, if we're not careful, we will send our kids into marriage with just unrealistic expectations. And, you know, husbands who feel like maybe they're not enough because they can't provide this level. Yes, definitely. And, and also, too, you think about, you know, they are not really hearing the stories that maybe we grew up hearing. Like we grew up hearing stories about our parents or grandparents who grew up in the Great Depression. Yes. And I'll never forget a friend of mine tell me, and I think of this every time I cut strawberries now, that she said when her grandmother, like she was just was so frugal, yeah. you know, just and even when she was cutting strawberries and teaching her grandchild how to cut strawberries, she would get mad at her if she left any red on the stem. Yes. And she was like, why does it matter? You know, there's a little red on the stem. And her grandmother looked at her and said, you've never been hungry. Yes. And those are the lessons that this generation, you know, they haven't survived a war or right. been through that. They don't, and they don't have those people teaching them those lessons. Yes. And I even think about Harry's grandparents and um, his dad and my dad were both very wise with money. They both were very, taught us how to save and just understand that concept early on. It was one of the best gifts they gave us because we were broke as newlyweds. Mm-hmm. So it really was a saving grace to be very conscientious of that. But he had a grandfather he always said that you should pay off two things. You should pay off your house mm-hmm. and your car. Mm-hmm. And he lived through the Great Depression. But he mm-hmm. said that because, one, if you paid off your house, they can never take your house away from you. And two, if you paid off your car, you always had a way to get to work. Mm-hmm. And I love I love mindsets like that. But it's just so countercultural to the way that our kids are being raised. Yes. 
Yes. And, you know, I think back to the sacrifices that we made in our early years of marriage, and um, and I'm so grateful for them. But we didn't, you know, we weren't as, as newlyweds comparing ourselves to everybody else. You know, we yes. weren't looking at everybody yeah. else's Facebook posts as newlyweds because Facebook wasn't around right. as I date myself. Um, but, you know, we weren't like, oh, I can't believe, you know, Sarah and Steve went on vacation again. Right. And why can't we go on vacation? You know, we weren't going on extravagant vacations when we were newlyweds. And and so, you know, they're in this comparison culture where we're looking left and right, you know, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Facebook, um, whatever, you know, mode you choose. And it looks like everybody else's perfect lives are just freely funded yes. by everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got a grant for my marriage. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's so true. And it's so interesting to me how social media has impacted us in so different ways, whether you're a mom or a college student or a teenage girl, like everybody's being impact, yes. impacted in negative ways by the comparisons. But yes. you're right. And I, and I always say, like, Harry and I were broke when we got married. I mean, we, we went from having two incomes. I had a good job in Birmingham, too. I moved there, and I couldn't find a job that I wanted. So then we decided to go to grad school. So I was like, well, I'll, I'll do some freelance writing so we can I can kind of keep things at, at home in order and all that. But um, so we went from two incomes to one. I was using every penny I made mm-hmm. to pay my tuition, which talk about making you appreciate your yes. education. I mean, I'm like, I've never, I'm yes. like, I'm not wasting this one minute of this education because I'm paying for it and it's not cheap. But we were so broke. But, you know, I always remember that first Christmas we had because we agreed to not get each other gifts. Like yeah. we have no business spending extra money. We were like, I was dating my bills. Like that's how broke we were. <laughs> I mean, like, please, like I can mail this on March 15th. But uh, but I remember that Christmas, he got me a nice gift, and I had gotten him a nice gift. And it, it felt like the gift of the Magi. Yes. <laughs> no, but it was so sweet. And I look at that necklace still now, and I'm like, I just, I'd appreciate it so much because it was such a sacrifice yeah. for him to do that. And then I had done the same thing, and we both were like, we just couldn't not get each other something. Mm-hmm. And again, I think those are the things that are missing in our culture. And I mean, I want my girls, obviously, I want them to, you know, have enough to be, I mean, I want them to be able to have a job that they can provide for themselves. I want them, their husband, to have a good job, all yeah. of that. But, you know, whoever you marry, it, it's for better or for worse. And it should be somebody that if you're rich or poor, you truly could be happy with them in yeah. either situation. But, you know, for a lot of them expecting to start off with this luxury lifestyle, like for us, I was glad we started off broke. Like, yes. I think it was the best way to start a marriage yes. because it just proves that we really loved each other. And that mm-hmm. was enough, you mm-hmm. know, that we, we worked our way up and worked hard. But, I think a lot of people are missing that in a relationship, and it can be such a key component. Yes, 100%. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about, you know, four ways to prepare our girls for financial success in their marriages. And a lot of this applies to boys, too. Mm-hmm. But we're really we're really focusing on the girls here. And because a lot of my listener, listeners are girl moms, and they're guiding their daughters. And yes. these are just some things to think about and see what does or doesn't work in your home. But the first way we thought about, you know, setting our girls up for success in marriage and realistic expectations, financially speaking, is to teach them gratitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Having gratitude is just such an important component, and it really gives us clarity about our finances, and it gives us clarity about our relationship. When we're focusing on joy and we're focusing on our blessings, then we have less time to focus on all the things that we don't have. Yes, exactly. And, you know, something that I hear a lot from boy moms is that, you know, my son spent all this money on this date with a girl and he had to earn the money because they were Mm -hmm. trying to teach him to be responsible with money. 
And she just didn't even say thank you, didn't even acknowledge it. And I think that can happen when you're so accustomed to going to a fancy dinner or being treated that if you're not being taught gratitude or you don't know gratitude, then it's just totally going over your head what somebody sacrificed to do that for you. Mm -hmm. And that is not the way to start any relationship. And so that's something that I think as moms to really ingrain that in our daughters that, you know, and especially if mine are dating somebody and, you know, their boyfriends, they've had several boyfriends that are really good about paying for everything. Mm -hmm. But I'm always like, you know, make sure you pay for it. It's like, take them to dinner and you pay for it. Like, don't, you know, make sure you treat them because they've treated you so much. And just to show a little gratitude. Absolutely. As a, you know, a girl mom and a boy mom, it's so interesting to be on both sides of it. You know, and I didn't grow up with brothers, so I didn't really see what it was like to grow up as a young man. But our son, um, you know, I'll watch him. He has a detailing, a car detailing business. And, you know, he'll be out there for hours, you know, in the summer heat of Nashville, detailing a car just to earn money to maybe take somebody out on a date. And, um, and I'm just thinking, wow, you know, the dedication that he has, like he's putting so much of his pride into this and his efforts. And, and really it's vulnerable for these boys, I yes, think, you know, yes. to um, put themselves out there. And um, it's a shame when it's not appreciated. Yes, yes. And, and I think a good way to think of it is just a lot of girls today just treat their boyfriends or boys like they're an ATM machine. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he can just, you know, I deserve this and this is what is expected. And that's never going to lead to a good relationship. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned earlier that I did write an article on money several years ago. And, and one story that always stood out to me was the story that someone told me about this uber wealthy woman whose kids are now grown, but she said that she decided early on not to spoil her kids. And, you know, for a lot of the reasons we're talking about, but her reasoning was also this. She said, do you know what happens to a tomato when it spoils? It rots on the inside, and that's what happens when you spoil your children. Mm. And I I can't get that out of my head. It's so true. And so teaching gratitude really helps to counter that. Like, we don't want our kids to be spoiled. We don't want them to not understand, you know, that their date worked, you know, five hours in the heat of Nashville to pay for that dinner. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, if you've ever worked and then somebody does that for you, you can totally appreciate that Mm -hmm. sacrifice they made just for you. Yes. We want to teach our kids to be happy with a little or a lot, right? Because by the grace of God, there go I. I mean, we are all just one phone call away from being on our knees. And, um, and so again, if we're, if we're parenting our kids for the long game, like we've talked about, and we're trying to look back at their character and how we're forming their character, it is understanding that money doesn't buy happiness. Like it can buy a lot of things, but the end of the, at the end of the day, it is not the thing that makes or breaks your joy. Yes, yes. And I, I got a message, and it actually was one of the things that inspired this topic. And it was from a boy mom, and I love the way that she put it, that she's like, you know, talking about just what girls are so accustomed to now, and sometimes the parents are feeding it, that she has a son. And she's like, you know, I just say, let's not set our girls up for failure in marriage, because she teaches her son to do little things. I mean, he takes her to dinner, his girlfriend, but then he also does things like they'll have a picnic, or they'll go on a hike, or, you know, he'll write her a song and play it on guitar. So sweet. Yes. And long term, we know, like, those are the things that are going to make an awesome husband and an awesome dad. You know, like, that's the kind of person you want to marry. But if a girl can't appreciate a guy like that, if they can't appreciate those little gestures, just the thoughtfulness that may not even require money, then, you know, you're just looking in the wrong direction. And I think it's going to lead to a lot of unhappiness down the road if it takes money to make you happy. Right. It's going to be an empty relationship. It will be an empty relationship. It's going to be surface. Yes. It's going to be transactional. Mm -hmm. Right. What did you do for me? What did you buy for me? 
um, and it's not going to bring happiness. Yeah, and, and I know somebody whose grandmother used to tell them, if you marry for money, you'll spend the rest of your life paying for it. Oh, I like that. <laughs> yes. That true. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And so we said earlier that money itself is not evil. It's the love of money that is evil, like so many different things in this world. Social media isn't evil, but it's the using it for the wrong way can be evil. But, you know, people have different income levels, and they have different things that they can give to others. And so I'm not judging anybody for having a certain lifestyle or utilizing their money a certain way because money keeps other people in business. You know, if you're supporting somebody in the restaurant business or somebody's store, like, you know, we need money to live and there's a way to use it to, um, to help people and to benefit others and to be a good philanthropist and steward of that money. But, you know, something that I do think about in teaching our daughters appreciation is just whatever their, their date is doing or their husband is doing is just, you know, making sure you're grateful for it. But something that stood out to me recently, and I, I loved that the girls were so grateful and that they recognized what the boys did. I think because I'd been getting some emails hearing about girls who didn't recognize what boys had done on dates. But Ella and three of her friends recently went to a New Orleans formal with some of their ATO friends. And these guys, the, the sweet part is that none of them are dating. These are all platonic friendships, you know, just, you know, girls and guys who just enjoy spending time together. And that's what's so sweet is like the boys were not trying to, to get something out of it. You know, they were just being gentlemen. But the, the girls came home from that weekend and they were just bragging on these boys. Like, oh my gosh, like they just went above and beyond. Like they were blown away that... Before they went, the week before they went, they asked the girls what their favorite music was. And so they gave it to them. Well, they weren't sure why, but they, they, you know, gave that to them. Anyway, Saturday night of the formal, they go outside, and there's a limousine waiting for them. Mm. And they get in, and all their favorite music that they'd given them is playing. They played that throughout the night in the limousine, which they were so touched Fine. by that gesture. So sweet. Then they took them to a nice dinner at Commander's Palace, which they were just blown away by that. Then they went to the formal. But then what they were so also blown away by was just that they were such gentlemen. They're like, they would not, you know, let us carry our bags. They paid for all of our meals. Like, they wouldn't let us do anything. And so these girls came home and like for weeks, like we got to do something for these guys. Like they were so appreciative of what they had done. And I thought that's how it works, mm -hmm. you know, like when you're appreciative. And so finally they, they, they kind of talked, what should we do? What should we do? It's, you know, boys are hard to buy for in the first place. And so they decided they, they found these nice, these big Yeti cups and they got the ATO emblem imprinted mm -hmm. on it. And that was their gift back to these boys. Like we got to do something. And I just thought about, I was like, you know, that's how a good relationship works. Somebody does something for you, whether it's big or small, and you're grateful, you acknowledge it, but then you're like, well, now I need to do something back. Yeah. And it's just that give and take. It's and that, that investment. It's that, yes. And it's that, it's that relationship of having two givers rather than one person giving and the other person just being a taker and expecting it. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's like this synergy of yes. um, joyful giving, yes. right? It's the opposite of this what about me selfish heart that we talked about in the marriage episode, right? Where we make it all about us. It's right. like, how can we really give and, um, and, and just show honor? Yes. Yes. It's so true. And somebody might not have anything. They might not have much money to give, right. but they've got a gift to give or some time or something. Yeah. Yes. Right. Just being the appreciative. Song. Yes, exactly. exactly. Okay, so what's another way we can help our daughters just to, to be appreciative of money? Well, it's so important to help them clarify their identity. And I think that's where we get lost so easily is, you know, where do we get our value from? Who defines our value? Is it from the fancy bag, the golden goose shoes, the private jet? You know? <laughs> You're right. Um, where, where does it come from? Because, again, money's not evil. It's just when we 
get our value from materialistic things, that things start to fall apart because that's a lose-lose situation, right? We cannot win when that's where our value comes from. So when we're living according to our values, we're not distracted by what other people think. Right, we're not mm-hmm. um, we're not getting caught up in the um, the comparison game, that comparison trap that we can fall into. And so, um, also, you know, what's their purpose? You know, so where do they get their value? But what's their purpose? And when we're focused on our purpose, we're not distracted by the image that we portray. We know what we're here on this earth to do. We're here to live, to bless others, not to impress others, so to speak. And the thing with purpose, too, it's like, you know, often, you know, um, anxiety shows up. If we're feeling anxious, then we feel like we have to um, have certain things that are going to make us feel more secure in our image. And when we are focused on our purpose, then we aren't caught up in the anxious feelings, right? Like anxiety Mm -hmm. is lessened in our spirits when we're focused on our purpose. Yes. And I heard it once said that, you know, think of yourself as a creator and not a consumer. Ooh, I like that. Isn't that good? Yes. And I think that's the disconnect as we are just, oh, you know, I want I want these jeans. You know, I'm a consumer. When you're always buying, when that's your mode, you know, you're not creating anything. You're not putting anything positive into the world. Yes. But if you switch your focus and think, okay, and this is how a lot of businesses get started. Well, I want those jeans, but I can't afford those jeans. Mm-hmm. So maybe I can go make something or I can go make this or create this since I can't afford to buy it. And, you know, the less I read this somewhere, too, that the more money your child has or that you have, the less resourceful you become. Yes. And that makes it an obstacle. Yes. Because you got to get creative when you yep. don't have. I can't just go buy all these things that I want. I got to create it. Yeah. And that's really a switch in our mindset. And that is it's so important in our identity that God gave us these gifts to use our gifts to make the world better. Absolutely. You know, and, and as we get in that man- mindset of like, okay, let me get a purpose. We don't care so much about what I'm wearing or driving the best car. And nothing's wrong with that, like I said. But when right. we live our life that we think that's it, that, that it's just going to yeah. That makes us. It's just a hamster wheel. And when I talk to girls about identity, I mean, I'm always like, you know, the safest place and the right place to find your identity is in Christ. Yes. Because you can lose everything that we tend to put our identity in. Like it can change overnight. Your friends can drop you. You cannot make the team. Your dad could lose his job. All of a sudden, you lose your lifestyle. You can't afford all those nice things he was buying. Like, all of that can be ripped out from under you. But if your identity is in Jesus, then that's the rock you built your life on. Like, you can lose all of that, and you're still standing. It's not changing who you are, and it's not changing your confidence. And it's just so much of a better place to be. Absolutely. And so many kids today feel empty. Mm -hmm. And they feel empty because they're putting their value in social media. How many likes did they get? How many followers do they have? Why did she post on her her post? Or why did she comment on her post, but not on my post? She must like her better. (laughs) And so again, having that purpose does combat anxiety. And it, it helps remind people that, you know, we think a lot of times we think that things will make us happy. Um, rather than our relationships that we're creating, to your point. It makes me think of a friend who was talking about her daughter who was um, going out somewhere. She was going to a birthday party or something, and she said, I can't wear that same dress because I've already worn that dress in a post before. <laughs> and um, and my friend looked at her, and she said, you are not an influencer. <laughs> <laughs> But they all feel like influencers. But they all feel like influencers. So again, your identity is not in which dress you wore in the post, right? Your identity is in Christ. And if we're looking to the left and the right, we're never going to be fulfilled. Yeah, yeah. And and even going back to who you choose to marry, if your identity 
is in superficial things or those that who can who is going to have a private jet one day and I've I've heard a girl tell her husband that they're no longer married but you know she wants a husband with a private jet which is kind of crazy to I me I bet they're not married no, <laughs> no they're not married you know and you know they're the, the mom was telling me, it's, it's crazy how you can come from the same socioeconomic group. They both thought they were on the same page and yet get in the real world and their ideas of money were so different. And like I said, I think we parents, we can do our kids such a disservice if we're teaching them to find their identity in these material possessions. And then all of a sudden you're marrying, it's not just the person you love, it's the person who can give you that lifestyle. Yeah. And it might be, it might bring fulfillment and joy for a while, but it won't last. And and something that always stood out to me was this quote from Dr. Meg Meeker. She said this in Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters, and I, I love this. She said, if you teach your daughter that happiness requires a bigger house, a higher salary, more cars, a boat, and expensive vacations, she will marry a man who constantly leaves home to do the same. People who are dissatisfied with their material possessions can become dissatisfied with who they are and who other people are. After your driven son-in-law gets the other stuff that he wants, he might want more from a wife, perhaps a smarter, quieter, more assertive, or more attractive wife. Don't set your daughter up for that pain. Show her the truth that the most important part of our lives is our relationship with loved ones. And it goes back to what you're saying, like what's going to bring the most happiness? And even there's this study has resurfaced recently. It's like a 80-year study done by Harvard researchers of what brings happiness throughout life, the most happiness. And more than money or fame, it's, it's warm relationships. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's what this generation is missing. Yeah, it's our connection with other people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we buy the lie that to be connected to other people, we have to look impressive. Yes. And it's really our presence with them that yes. creates the connection. And I think the true test of a friendship is if you don't need a lot of money to have fun. You know, if you think that you have to have um, tickets to the best concerts or you have to go on this vacation to, like, really prove your friendship, like, that's what you and your friends have to have to enjoy each other, then I'm like, that's that's based on some superficial things. Yes. But true friends, you don't care where you are. I mean, I didn't have a friend that she and her sorority sisters used to do their little annual girls trip. And she realized, she was like, you know, we ended up, we're all saving money for college. And we, we end up just talking the whole time. We really don't even get to get out that much because we stay in our pajamas and talk. So she started doing it. She had her husband and their kids went out of town one weekend. So she's like, I hosted them here in Birmingham. Great. You know, we're not like a crazy, you know, we're not a luxury destination, but you know, she was like, we just ate good food. We had wine. We stayed in our pajamas all weekend. They just loved being together. And I'm like, that's the test of a true friendship. And that's Mm -hmm. a true relationship. And I think that's what we want our children to have too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. And so what's another way that we can help set our daughters up for success in marriage and teaching them to be grateful for money? Yes. Well, this is kind of looking at the parents as we need to be responsible examples. Here's the thing. Our kids are watching us and they see our values and our actions speak so much louder than our words. And so we need to stop and do a self-examination of where does our value come from, right? Does our value come from the, the bag we're carrying or the car we're driving or the, you know, impressive trips we're taking? Um, or does our value come from these connected relationships? Does our value come from the Lord, right? Because when our value, again, when our value comes from Christ, then we 
don't have to hustle for our worth. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. So we want to expose our kids to reality, right? We want them to see life outside of social media because social media is not real. So one of the best ways we can do that is be a family that volunteers together, be a family that serves Go on mission trips, right? Like get out into the world and really understand what relationships are about and the joy that is out there apart from materialistic things. Yes. And I hear something I hear so much about families that have done mission trips that their biggest takeaway is when they go to a community where the people have very little material wealth or no material wealth, yet they are so much happier and more joyful than they are or what they're seeing in their own community and it just hits you that, you know, they, when you rely on God like that and you don't have these material things to bring you happy, you have a spiritual wealth that is so much better than a material wealth that yeah. people might have. Yeah. And we, we lose sight of that. Yeah, it's so easy to get into a scarcity mindset. Again, I'm just pushing back to social media, but I think that's really where mm-hmm. this enormous shift happened yes. is this idea that they've got it all together and I don't, right. right? Versus we're limited in our resources, but we've got the joy of the Lord. And right. that is what sustains. He is the bread of life. Yes, yes, yes. And, you know, something to think about, too, is, you know, as being responsible examples. And, you know, we live in an age of affluence. And some people, you know, it's crazy. I guess it was in the 90s it started. Um, you know, you would have these 25-year-olds that would sell a company. And all yes. of a sudden, they're a millionaire at 25. Yeah. And I think that's where the real shift started was mm-hmm. that it used to be people made their money gradually. And you waited yes. until you're 45 or 50 to get your dream home. And now they're getting their dream homes at 25. Or, you know, there's just a lot more money being made earlier in life in some ways. And obviously, that's not the case for most of us. That's not what has happened in our family. But we do know some people that that has been the case. And my husband has a friend who was in the computer business, and he sold his company. Um, I guess he was probably about 30. He was young for a lot of money. And he had children at the time. And they did this family seminar, this family business seminar. And basically, they were just giving them all this advice on how to, to raise their kids to be normal. And his biggest takeaway from that seminar was they basically told them that, you know, if you want your kids to be normal, just don't let them know how much money you really have. Mm-hmm. You know, don't yeah. act like you're a money tree. Don't yeah. don't live at the same level of income that you have. Don't, you know, buy everything that you want. Like, mm-hmm. live below your means. And mm-hmm. if you want your kids to be normal, like, that's what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And as I say this, I'm not saying we shouldn't splurge. We all have splurges. We all have things like, I'm going to sacrifice here so that I can take this trip. Or I'm going to sacrifice here so that we can save up to decorate this room. Like, we all have these splurges, but it's just, you know, being mindful of how we're using our own money and teaching our kids to, like, really be mindful. Is like, is that really where I want to spend it? Is on another pair of shoes or another outfit or another dress that I may or may not need? Or do I want to consider a different way to use it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I don't know if you've seen this Saturday Night Live skit um, from a few years back, but it always, we joke about it in our family. It's um, It's got Steve Martin and Amy Poehler in it. And it's called, it's a, so it's an infomercial skit and it's called Don't Buy Stuff. <laughs> Have you seen it? I haven't seen oh, it. so I funny. To go see it. And so um, you see them sitting in the kitchen with this pile of bills, right? They're, we're assuming they're a married couple. <laughs> and, um, and they say, you know, I'm not sure how we're going to get out of this debt. We've tried debt consolidation companies. <laughs> We've taken out loans to make payments. And the infomercial announcer responds, he says, do you know that you're just like millions of Americans who can't get out of debt? That's why I wrote this book, Don't Buy Things You Can't Afford. (laughs) (laughs) And so they look at each other and they're confused and they start reading the book. And and they're like, oh, so if you don't have any money, you shouldn't buy anything? (laughs) 
And he's like, "Uh uh-huh. And they're like, what if we want something, but we don't have any money? And the the announcer says, then you shouldn't buy it. (laughs) And so it just cracks us up because it is this idea. You know, I just think to your point, like once we got out of cash and checkbook balancing Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's like everything just feels like monopoly money. And so we're not really evaluating our expenditures as we're, you know, as we're doing that. We, we, um, we had cash envelopes for, you know, for a season in our marriage. And boy, was I cautious then about what I was spending and aware, you yes. know, just put it on my radar. Yes. I, I think that's from Dave Ramsey. We did that yep. too. He was, he saved us in our early years of marriage. Yes. He's, he, I highly recommend everything he does. Yes. And also being a responsible example for our children, you know, it helps them to see us as couples too, like talking about money, how we want to spend it. And, you know, I had a friend even a few years ago that they moved to a different area of our community because she was like, my husband was so stressed at work. You know, he was, as our kids are getting older and more expensive, and she's like, I loved my house. She loved where she was, but she was willing to make that sacrifice because they were able to get a less expensive house, and her husband was so much happier. It took that stress off his shoulders. And I thought, that's a good wife, you know, and that's so countercultural to what people are doing today or thinking today. But, you know, sometimes when we are not good examples for our children or we are just buying it because we want it, just buying the stuff. And then you get into debt or you're over your head or your husband's having to work harder, you're having to work harder to pay for all this stuff. And it's creating all this stress. Or, you know, I know a lot of people that have to, they're kind of stuck in their jobs because they're it's the golden handcuffs, yep. you know, like they ha- yep. they're stuck in a job they hate, mm-hmm. but they have to keep doing that same job to afford the lifestyle that they've built. Yeah. And so that's something that really we can think about as, as wives and women and husbands too. It's like, you know, you're not stuck there. You right. know, you can change your lifestyle. You can move to a different house. You can make these changes. And you're not shortchanging your children if you do that. You're actually teaching them a valuable life skill. Like you're constantly evaluating and reevaluating your life and your decisions and your values. And that's part of being a mature adult. And it's important for them to see that, to see how you think through money. Since money is such a common issue in marriage and something that can lead to division and even divorce in some cases. Yeah. The implications of financial stress on a marriage, it just can't be understated, mm-hmm. right? Like it is really such an enormous pressure. And and so that's really, I think, our message, or at least my message is this idea of we just want to be purposeful in it, right? right? We want to make sure that we're clear on what is working and what's not working and not set our kids up for that same for that trap, right? right? The golden handcuff trap. Right, right. And it, like I said, it might be just teaching them to be responsible examples that, you know, teaching them how to live on a shoestring budget. Like, mm-hmm. that's why I was so grateful for those early years of our marriage. Like, man, I learned to live on nothing. I look back, I'm like, and we paid off some debt. I don't know how we did it. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know, but we just, it was just the two of us and it was really easy before kids. Mm-hmm. And we just watched every single penny. And I remember it was our first anniversary. We, we didn't even feel like we could afford to go to a nice dinner. And so we're like, we'll just get this, you know, these nice steaks from Star Market. It's the it's a neat grocery store in Huntsville. And we'll just cook dinner at home. We loved cooking dinner together. And I'll never forget going to, to pick up the meat and what we were going to eat for dinner. And his parents had already called the store and they prepaid for it. They paid. Wow. And, it was, and again, I mean, it just felt like we won the lottery. Yes. You know? Because when you're broke, you know, somebody yeah. doing that for you means so much. Yes. And I just think those are the lessons that we want our kids to yeah. learn. And it's just, it, it's so impactful when they do experience that early on. Well, it goes back to that tension that we were talking about immediately, right? When we don't have that tension, then all of a sudden there's no cost, right? There's no, like we need to know the cost of when we finally get ourselves to a place where we can relax a little bit more. 
it's so important that we can understand the value and be appreciative, right? And, yes. and again, back to the gratitude, be grateful for the way that we were responsible with our money. Yes, yes, so good. Okay, and then the last way, what do you think is the last way to help set our daughters and our sons too up for a healthy marriage yeah. regarding money? Just to help them learn to manage their money at home. And so, you know, ideally we want our kids to start off marriage without debt, right? That's ideal. I know it's not reasonable for everybody, but that's, in my opinion, that's our goal because debt is what starts that that snowball of stress. And so, you know, again, we live in this world of instant gratification and saving money instead of spending isn't that fun. But what we started with our kids really early on, once money started having any type of value for them, is we did start that Dave Ramsey spend, save, share. And we had them, um, we had little money jars and we would pay them allowance with cash and they would put 60% in their spend jar and 30% in their save and they would share their 10%. And so being able to you know, tangibly see the money that they were saving was such value. And then we would say, yeah, if you, you know, if that, is that a want or a need? Well, if it's a want, then what do you have in your spend jar? But it's created the discipline of saving. And that's such an important part as well as the discipline of tithing. Yes, exactly. And I remember too, one of the best pieces of advice my dad gave me when I started working was he told me, you know, cause all of a sudden I'm out on my own and you know, you get really cheap then when you're having to pay for everything. He said, always have six months of living expenses saved up. Yeah. One, you never know what's going to happen. You might lose your job. And then two, he's like, you want to, if your boss asks you to do something immoral or whatever, you want to be able to leave that job. Yeah. Like you don't want to be tied to something that you don't believe in or that's not right for you. And I always thought that was such a good, that was such a good lesson too. It's just, again, teaching them to manage money, to save, and to have something saved for a rainy day yeah. because it's going to come. Or it might be your air conditioner goes out and yeah. all of a sudden you got a $3,000 expense there. But, um, yeah, and I know a lot of people, I have two friends that started marriage with um, their husbands both had $100,000 worth of debt okay. from grad school. Or they actually, I think they had to pay for college and their grad school. So it was stressful. Yeah. But, you know, it taught them to be good stewards of their money. Yeah. And then once they were finally out of that, they were able to be, be wise with their money. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it does, it adds stress. It's better to not start off with that yes. because it took a long time for them to work through that. Yeah. And then one thing that we've done recently, too, is, you know, we learned how important it was for our kids to start establishing credit as young adults. Mm-hmm. And so um, so we've helped co-sign our kids with a credit card that we're treating like a debit card where we have to track and be responsible for every expenditure, but it's allowing them to build credit in their name as well in the meantime. And it's teaching them what it looks like if you're going to have a credit card to not carry a balance and to pay it off. Yes. You know, so we're kind of baby stepping them into that arena so that um, you know, I think it's so easy for kids to just rack up credit card debt, not realizing the interest rates and the way it's going to impact them. Right. Again, there's no tension. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I think, too, that, you know, I know people, I know somebody that his, his wife had a lot of debt brought into the marriage. She just had a kind of a shopping shopping problem. <laughs> but, you know, the thing is, like, he paid it off. But if you're not changing the habits, right. then that debt is just going to come right back. Yes. And so that's something we're really teaching our children too, are those habits and being mindful and not living above your means. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Kim, I love this conversation. We've got some rain going on outside. If that is heard (laughs) in the background, it's because we suddenly have a storm here in Birmingham. But um, this has been such a great one. You know, I think the bottom line is let's not spoil our kids. Yes, we want to give them everything and we want to treat them. And there's nothing wrong with, with doing for our kids, but we don't want to spoil them 
or get them accustomed to a lifestyle that their husbands will not be able to sustain. So, um, you know, let's enjoy the good things in life, but let's set our sons and our daughters both up to have realistic expectations of what brings happiness in life and realistic expectations of um, what a marriage will look like and, you know, what money looks like inside of a marriage and just teaching them to be happy whether they have a little bit or a lot and then also building relationships and creating memories that may not look amazing on an Instagram post, but that will bring them real joy and deep connections. Wonderful. Thank you for coming today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I always love it. Me too. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm so grateful to have you here. And if you enjoyed the show, please follow the Girl Mom Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen. And leave a ratings or review so others can find these messages too. Also, my new book for moms called More Than a Mom, How Prioritizing Your Wellness Helps You and Your Family Thrive is now available everywhere books are sold. This book is for girl moms and boy moms and full of encouragement no matter what season of parenting you're in. Find the link to this book and my other books in the show notes. Thanks again for your support and have a great day.